All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Sit Down For Real, your favorite podcast about movies. I'm your host, Dylan, and today I'm joined by Callie, Hannah, and Kevin. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today, um, and we're going to be talking about Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, excellent movie. If you haven't gotten the chance to see it, definitely go check it out. Um, before we get to any spoilers or anything, it's an old movie. It's really hard for us not to spoil it at this point, but initial thoughts after you watch it, every time you watch it, what goes through your head? I, it's one of my favorites. It's a movie that I like to watch when, um, like, when I'm not in the best place mentally because it, first of all, it's really like destigmatizing for mental illness and also it's just like as serious as the subject matter is it's just funny and like it's just a fun movie about mental illness <laughs> and <laughs> I I love it I'm like you very often get to say that the movie's a fun movie about mental illness <laughs> yeah yeah but it is. I would say it's a very raw and real movie, but it's a lot of fun, and the acting is top-notch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of the only movies since, like, Silence of the Lambs to get a nomination in all of the five major categories, um, with, like, directing and picture and acting, both sides and everything. Um, yeah, I watched it before I knew about my mental health issues. Um... And I didn't really get why I was like, oh, like, I feel a lot of this movie. Mm -hmm. And however many years later when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. And I think you don't have to be diagnosed, have any diagnosed mental illnesses to like the movie. Like, it's... Right. But, and I'd say if you don't, that's even more of a reason to watch it so you can get a little bit more of that empathetic understanding of people in these situations. Yeah. It's definitely a movie that's... It does a really good job of portraying mental illness in a way that's not... It's not scary or any anything like that. Like, they portray it in a very, like, this is how it is kind of way and allow a story to be told around that without, without trying to do what many others have and try to make the mental illness, like, the super bad enemy or things like that. Like, I'm... I'm even thinking of like going to split and things like that, like mm -hmm. where mental illness just isn't portrayed well. And this does an excellent job of that. And even beyond that, like it's just a really funny movie, really easy to watch, really easy to laugh to, uh, just something to enjoy. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead, take a pause, go check it out. Um, has it been out for 10 years? It has been out for a <laughs> long time. Please. Please go, like, watch it. 2012. I was going to touch on that, too. Like, it for its time, even, even, like, eight years ago, I don't think where we are now with stigmatizing mental health issues and seeing that in film, it just, it, it's like a hug and reassurance. <laughs> yeah. And it was for its time. So it, it was cool that even in 2012, I wish I could have thought of a better adjective, but cool. But it was. It was cool. Yeah. So, I imagine with the group of people we have, a lot of this conversation is going to be around the portrayal of mental illness. Um, and I'm actually very excited for that. So, like, 
I want to know why does everyone think this movie does it well as opposed to other movies that don't? I know that's a big question, but it's also one that I think we could all say holds really true in terms of like, we watched this movie and that's one of the first things that all of us were like, yeah, it portrays mental illness and it does it well. So kind of what did they get right that other people haven't? So I think, like somebody said, it doesn't make the mental illness the monster or the bad guy. It just, the mental illness is a part of the character. And with uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, Tiffany, they don't even name her mental illness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people um, in the psychiatric community have labeled it borderline personality disorder uh which i feel fits but it's it's never named and i think that is part of what they do right Mm -hmm. is you know this person doesn't need a diagnosis because i mean you don't need a diagnosis to have symptoms and to have Mm -hmm. these things affect your life and you know you don't need a diagnosis to get help Mm -hmm. I think also too Tiffany she's going on top of the unnamed diagnosis she's going through this intense grief which is one of my favorite aspects of the movie and how well they portray just how well I mean not just how she does go through that grief and, um, my brain is dead. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is too. We're, we're in a very similar boat. Um, I think that lesser movies go into, like you kind of said, this antagonistic force or melodrama. Um, I think that, like, and I think my favorite, even romance movies or other things, mm don't rest in judgment so much as they just do in, like, letting things grow and letting things be as genuine as they can. Like, I think of her, um, which could very easily have been just a movie where they're like, um, this guy has all these people that don't like him because he's basically dating his phone, and, like, Mm -hmm. they never actually go into that. It's much more about everything else that the movie's about, and I'm sure we'll talk about that one eventually. Um, But I think in this one, it very realistically they talk about it and they go through um, his relationship with his parents and how they're dealing with his thing and how that generational gap and especially the masculinity there from his dad um, but then their relationship with each other and the problems Mm. that they have and like it's just not melodramatic like it could it could have been so dramatic they could have overdone so many things and they just keep it I think when you keep it so balled in like that like people normally keep mental illness and like that then the times that it does come out to be a little bit dramatic is really genuine mm-hmm. I would agree like it seems like they have like all these scenes that are building up to like just letting the movie play out and their mental illness isn't like a plot point it's just people with mental illness and I think that's where like the big key for me was was like it's not part of the plot it's not a plot twist it's not oh look at this it's you know Mm -hmm. 
we're watching two people who have mental illness telling their stories, going through part of their story, um, and watching them learn and grow together. Um, but yeah. So what, in like watching this, like what kind of stands out as like one of your favorite scenes in how the mental illnesses are portrayed and things like that, if that makes sense. Um, cause I think the big one for me, um, since I'm talking, I'm going to go first, but the big one for me would probably be like right before he gets in the fight with his parents over his wedding video, like the mm -hmm. obsessiveness of that and watching that build up. And like, as you watch it, like there are different audio cues that fade in and out and like this distortion of reality where they kind of show like in his mind, all he can think about is the wedding tape and the wedding song. And like, that's all he can think about. And so like, you see him like start going, where is it ma? Where is it? And like ends up hitting her and you know, goes through that scene. I really think like that showed in my mind showed an excellent depiction of like where his mental illness was and kind of on screen gives the audience kind of a little peek into what's going on in his brain. Mm -hmm. So what was everybody else's kind of scenes that kind of did that and just take me through them. <laughs> Milo would like to start. <laughs> Yeah, don't mind our cats running around. Um, I think one of mine is when uh, the first time that Tiffany and Pat meet and they're talking about uh, medications mm. at the dinner table with, you know, their uh, Tiffany's neurotypical sister and um, brother-in-law. And I think that's just really cool because first of all like Callie said how you know this movie was 2012 and even almost nine years ago there's been so much growth in the destigmatization destigmatization and um that's you know it was just a really natural discussion of different medications and the effects they have and you know if you are a mentally ill person who has been on several medications and you're talking to another mentally ill person who's been on several medications you know that that's a very real accurate conversation that really does happen and um having it with two other people present who have no idea what they're talking about and are visibly uncomfortable. Um, I, I really liked that because it was just like, that's, that's real life. Mm -hmm. I think, and this one just keeps coming back to my head. Um, I think what gets me most is, um, the scenes with him and his dad um, where you can see um, kind of the impact that relationship has has had on his ability to cope with um, his disorder and everything. Um, and even like times where it's um, made a lot lighter when Jennifer Lawrence's character comes in 
um, and tells him that his superstitions are all backwards because every time that he's been with her, the Eagles have won and everything. But, mm-hmm. like, the very... His dad being almost as obsessive and that weird superstitious kind of thing. Like, obviously there was no major focus on him, but just the the way that the family interacted and the way that in real life people, families with um, that have family members who are struggling with mental illness, like, they can handle it very poorly, they can really exacerbate it and things like that. So that just, and maybe I'm projecting... But um, (laughs) that just felt like a very interesting part of it that I think it made it more genuine. That's not something that you'd always see or you'd see, like, the dad who's, like, very judgmental, like, getting down on it. Like, just be better, like, very cliched or overdone. Um, But it it was just kind of in the middle and he was just, at times, very, very bad at handling it and didn't know what to do. And I'm sure that if you went deeper into the relationship, he was just as scared about everything and trying to get him better but again it does other than the mental health it does have a lot to say about masculinity and I think that that's kind of a driving force underneath especially in their relationship mm-hmm. for me and I'm trying to remember it's forgive me it's been a little while since I've seen this movie but um, it's anytime Tiffany is just very blunt, very blunt and open, and um, she when she calls people out on their nonsense, kind of like we have been discussing different all of your different scenes, but definitely I th- I think remind me is it in the diner or in at that first initial dinner meeting, and she just blows up about her grief. That that is definitely my favorite portrayal because it, again, it, I'm sound like a broken record here, but it is just very raw and real and touches true to how there is no specific right or wrong way of grieving. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with her mental health diagnosis. It's just, this is how I'm feeling right now and I have no coping mm-hmm. skills to express this. So I'm going to yell out in the middle of this public place I'm in right now. And I, those are definitely my favorite moments. I think something unique about this movie, too, is you don't very often see women able to grieve like that in movies. Mm-hmm. It's usually the stereotypical, like, very sorrowful, like, numb or crying. And I'm not saying that those aren't fitting to the situation that they're in, but just, like, she was a very three-dimensional character to me. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean... 2012, and I watched it pretty soon after it came out. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the first characters like that I had seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna say I think that was in the diner, because um, she ends up throwing like the cereal and her yes, tea like that, on the ground, yeah, and then they me, yeah. run out to the theater. Like that entire set of, like back to back doing that diner scene and then going over to the theater right after. Mm-hmm. That was like a really interesting portrayal there like watching that scene go from like her like sitting there like talking about her grief like oh yeah this is how I coped with griefing and it wasn't good like you know I started sleeping around the office so I got fired and like him having no filter and going okay like I'm done talking about this but wait what about this (laughs) oh okay I'm not gonna oh what about this and like kind of digging deeper and like pushing her into that without her necessarily wanting to talk about it Mm -hmm. Um, even though, like, she says, like, I'm fine with talking about this, it doesn't matter. But, like, it's kind of that weird back and forth 
between them as and then um, even Callie, you mentioning like how upfront and blunt she is about everything she does. It's it's a very interesting character and definitely a lot of fun to like watch on screen. Absolutely. Um, so we kind of touched on it at the very beginning. Excellent acting performances. So there were so many excellent acting performances. Like what, what about these performances kind of draw you in? Because the script had to be written excellently for like the dialogue and stuff to work well. But like there's a lot that the actors do to bring that forward and make the characters like actually come to life. So what, like what kind of sells their acting performances and makes them over the top? sitting here thinking about it and I we flash back to my 2012 self I knew Bradley Cooper because of the hangover I knew <laughs> I knew Jennifer Lawrence because of Hunger Games and those are you know not horrible actings but they're not in like top notch like this either so also compare like comparing and bearing like they just blow it out of the water on mm-hmm. how they portray these characters with severe mental illness and they make them relatable. You want to hug these characters. You're crying when these characters are crying. You are happy and laughing at the very well-executed points of humor. And um, it's they're just it's, makes it very easy to relate and to empathize. Yeah, I think that... Um... And I, meant, I keep kind of circling around the same point, but um, I think they approach it with a lot of nuance. Um, and obviously, like you mentioned, that comes from script and directing too. Um, but you don't get very good explosions without a buildup. Mm-hmm. And you don't get um, very good emotional payoffs without like going through those emotions. And I think that... Um, Really, when you're in a diner scene or you're at the dinner scene or when they're running together and you really can't look away from either of them and they're just talking or they're just moving around a place, like, um, and not just because they're both attractive, like, just Mm. the way that they're taking control of the words and the framing around them is, I don't know, I can speak a lot on a lot of things, I'm not an actor, but... It's one of those things when you see something good, you can say that it's good. Like, I, and I'm sure I could pull out some other random little things, but it's just, I think that the best acting performances, in my opinion, are the ones that hold back until they need to. And I think that they do that really well here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really let the, let their emotions build and like fill the role in a way that's going to like make that payoff worth it and make the big emotional scenes actually come through. Which is really natural. Like, in real life, that's a lot closer to how it happens. It's not just, like, we're talking and then you say something and then I'm horribly offended and... I'm sobbing on the floor. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, just slap you. I mean, that's always close to happening. (laughs) Yeah. And Kevin, I know you have to go soon, 
But before we do, before you end up having to go, I do want to question you. You've brought up that family dynamic a lot. And therapy. <laughs> no, 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 no. That no, not that serious. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering kind of what everyone kind of thinks about that, like that family dynamic and like how the relationship between Pat and Pat Sr. kind of mm-hmm. fuels into that. And then even between Pat and his mom, mm-hmm. like with her always being like, oh no, it's fine, sweetie. It's fine. We're just, we're going to get you out of here. It's fine. It'll be fine. Like how much like that impacts like how we watch this movie because the real story that is being told is the story between Pat and um oh what's her name Tiffany Tiffany yeah sorry my brain went blank yeah. but between Pat and Tiffany it's like their journey together as like they kind of come together and start doing this as long as well as like just Pat's personal journey and you could tell that without really having that family dynamic and interaction. But there's something very important about, like, seeing that family dynamic. So what does everybody think about that and how much that impacted the movie? Um, he lied. This is therapy. Um, <laughs> also, I checked my schedule and I think I'm good. So okay. you're stuck with me. But... Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm happy you're here. <laughs> it makes, I think, one of four. Um, the... I don't know. Like, I think, like Callie said, I sound like a broken record, but it's really natural. Um, and I think that it lets the little things stay in the background. Like, we don't really go into how... Um, his dad can be almost manipulative and, or definitely manipulative. We don't really go into how his mom is kind of like staying back because she's so worried about her place that she doesn't want to basically, it seems like she doesn't want to get involved. Um, and obviously you have to face it when like he whips a book out of the window and, um, which is one of my favorite scenes, um, and things like that. But, I think you can tell that this is a family that isn't well equipped to deal with this and a family that has never really reckoned with these problems, um, which is most, if not all, families. Yeah. So I think that's something that it's a two hour movie. Like, they dedicated enough time to building that up and letting it be influential without making it be overbearing or really trying to get to the bottom of it because I don't think you could really get to the bottom of that stuff in a four-hour movie. Mm-hmm. So it just... And I think that that was another strength of it in general was just it let the things that it could reckon with and the things that it could talk about be present and the other things that hinted at enough to kind of nod you would let you know it was there. I think it does a really good job of playing with the question that has been asked for the last 50 years is what part of mental illness is nature and what part is nurture? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What part is a literal chemical imbalance in the brain that, you know, can be helped with medication but definitely not fixed? And what part is 
the environment we grew up in and our family dynamics. And I think the scenes between Pat and his parents and especially Pat and his dad, um, I think that really plays into um, the, the fact that we don't have an answer to that question and we don't know how much of it is genetic and how much of it is you know the way that we were raised and uh, how Pat Jr. hyper fixates on things is very similar to how his dad hyper fixates on things mm-hmm. and how much of their experiences would be better if the mother was a little bit of a stronger personality and not like borderline enabling her husband and son and um you know it really like it makes you think about that dynamic i think that it's interesting too that both of the main characters kind of had triggering events within the past few years like whether it was his divorce or her losing um her husband um, and I think just that just plays deeper into the um, how present was this before? Like, how much is it just that they were very poorly adjusted to these things because of their families? And I think you said it's a question without an answer. But yeah, I definitely think it shows both very well, though, because like clearly, whenever there is strong mental illnesses that are present in someone, like, there's definitely, like, physically something is wrong, chemical imbalance, there's something off. But then you also see, like, the way Pat and Pat Sr. interact together, and, like, just how Pat Sr. kind of is, you see that aggression, you hear, like, oh yeah, he's been kicked out of the Eagles games, he's not allowed back, like, he's been in too many fights, things like that, and you kind of see that, and, like, you can see where some of those habits might have been picked up or seen and just kind of that was the way how you dealt with things and so kind of leads to some of those explosive episodes and that back and forth uh, between nature and nurture in that and it's always interesting to it's an interesting conversation we could go on for hours about (laughs) and then I think my, I think my favorite part about watching that family dynamic is whenever the brother is introduced. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, you see both. You see, you know, someone who seems very neurotypical, who seems well-adjusted. I mean, we don't get a lot of interaction with him. But, like, you see that, like, ah, yes, he's, you know, he's normal. And then even with uh, Tiffany's family, like, mm-hmm. her sister, very well-adjusted quote unquote and you know you see that balance and that interaction between family members and I always think that that's interesting and that like watching like whenever Pat comes home for the first time and he sees his brother's portrait on the wall and his is sitting on the bottom of the staircase like not put up or having been taken down recently and trying to get that worked out and then even the interaction between Tiffany and her sister at dinner where um, she goes off and is like 
you like it whenever I'm like this. It means you're the normal one. Like, seeing that interaction, super powerful in my opinion. Um, and I think it helps complete the story that's being told of, like, this is, you know, it sets in everybody with this um, example of how, like, the family is being oriented before you even dive into any of this mental illnesses and things like that. Mm-hmm. When we're watching a movie that we all love, obviously we have some of, like, our favorite scenes, some of our least favorite scenes, so kind of what what are your guys' favorite scenes? And then what are your least favorite scenes and kind of why? climax of the dance scene because it's anticipated the entire movie and there's so much emotion across the characters at that point and then the big reveal and you know not proposal but like the realization afterwards so that entire segment is just beautifully acted it's fun the music makes your emotions heightened you're wanting tiffany to get with patrick and you want all this to come to light and you're just on the edge of your seat like what's going to happen is he going to finally realize that he doesn't want his ex-wife and move on to Tiffany you're just in this loss of confusion and you're just having so much fun watching them dance this out and they suck but they're having (laughs) so much fun that's another huge favorite part of this movie for me is just watch you know they're not good but they gave it their all and it's it's a lot of fun to watch Mm mhm I'm gonna say I love I love watching that scene and like after they like finish their dance and they go step on the side and like mm-hmm. they're giving their scores and like the dancers are like, Oh, that oh. sucks, that's so many fours. Uh-huh. Oh wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then like they call out the five and like the entire family's so like excited. Yes Absolutely. <laughs> and everyone is so confused because yeah. they're so happy. I exactly. think that's that's probably my favorite scene too. I'm gonna mm-hmm. echo everything Callie said, <laughs> and um, I know that there is criticism surrounding the portrayal of therapy and the mm-hmm. psychiatrist, and um, I know it's frustrating as a therapist um when there's a therapist in a movie because <laughs> like i i really can't off the top of my head think of a good example there isn't one there's I, I can't think one. of one Table hunting ahem, ahem, cough sorry okay sorry, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Fine, i think yes. and there's minor things with that one but i think that that's a for what it is, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say probably the best portrayal of a mental health therapist. But it's, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's still frustrating mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they can't they they can't seem to get it right. Um, it is so frustrating. Hollywood can't seem to get it right. Maybe they need to go to directors and screenwriters and go to therapy more. I yeah <laughs> yes yeah yes. or hire a therapist um, to <laughs> to give their input or what you know mm-hmm. ethics are like. I think if they had a basic understanding of what our ethics and code of conduct right. is like, it would be right about the same. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm definitely in support of most movie makers going to therapy for 
innumerable reasons. Yeah. But everyone, everyone go to therapy. Everyone, go to therapy. everyone go to therapy. Go to therapy. <laughs> it's worth it. Everyone go to therapy. It's not bad. But uh, <laughs> and then there's also the fact that we never really see Pat go through a depressive episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of mania. It's a lot of mania, and then. Uh, regulated and then you know we never really see a depressive episode mm-hmm. and so I know that there's that aspect that um, some people have said well why don't we see like a full cycle in a uh, bipolar disorder mm-hmm. cycle but I also think that with bipolar one and as severe as Patrick has, mm-hmm. um, I think it is a little understandable mm-hmm. that you know a a cycle of mania would last a very long time mm-hmm. uh, because of how severe his uh, mm-hmm. his is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to top that as the best scene. Um, and it's a little, it, there's a little bit of weirdness around it because, like, they definitely raise up the stakes a little more than what would be mm-hmm. in real life. Like, the bet and everything just gets a little bit... The parley and... Yeah, yeah, it's... And it's fun. And I think that it, it adds a lot of character to the movie, but it's also just, like... We've been talking about how real and genuine it is, and that's the part where it got very movie. Um, and that would really, because they covered criticisms very well, that would really be the only other thing is, like, um, we've talked about his dad being so manipulative and, like, things like that. And I know that Tiffany was one that was kind of leading that with, like, a we're going to prove ourselves, we're going to prove this sort of way. Um, but that didn't really get super resolved through it. Like... It kind of just positively reinforced, like, the dad's meddling and all these other things and, like, um, yeah. But I think, I don't know. I really, really like the scenes when they're on their runs. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels, there's enough chaos that it just feels almost comfortable in the chaos. Like, it's just, it's fun, it's real, it's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. it can get really funny, um... And I think that I think their characters grow the fastest in those, and you really get an idea of them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just Bradley Cooper running around in a trash bag is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say I was gonna actually agree with you that the running scenes are probably my favorite, just because of how much growth you see and how much character you see on those runs. Um, but I'll definitely agree with Hannah, like. My least favorite part probably was, like, the therapy scenes on the therapist. Just, like, it, it's not accurate. And, like, watching, as funny as it is, like, watching him pull up on that bus and, like, um, Pat and his therapist seeing each other going, Ah, today we're brothers of the green, like, mm-hmm. go Eagles, or, you know, it, like, as funny as that comes to be, it... Just, like, the unrealistic expectation of, like, ah, so if I see my therapist, like, they'll talk to me, like, in no. public, and no, no they no, don't. No, they will not. Um, Can confirm, they will <laughs> run away. <laughs> but, like, watching that happen and, like, just, like, 
it's a weird balance. And even, like, the first time we meet the therapist, like, Pat's going into therapy and, like, the therapist plays, like, a song he knows is going to be a trigger. Yeah. Without any sort of context or warning. Like, the first time he walks into therapy, like, that song is playing. Like, if it were to just be happenstance, like, that song was playing, that'd be one thing. But it was, like, whenever he gets into the office, he was like, I wanted to see if it was still a trigger for you. Like, that's... No, that's damaging and uh, harmful. Yeah. (laughs) We don't do that. For as accurate as, like, they went out of their way to make sure, like, they portrayed mental illness and these particular mental illnesses, as accurately as they did that, they failed (laughs) fantastically when it came to therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, minor credit for not having a therapist be just a white person or just a stereotypical, like... Yeah. Yeah. Or... Abusive or just straight out abusive. Mm -hmm. I think back to like what they get wrong in and usually in cinema and television shows is just the relationship not to mention the ethics but just the relationship you're supposed to the rapport you're supposed to build with the client mm-hmm. while balancing that professionalism mm-hmm. which is something you get taught for many years um on how to do and they don't they never they never portray that relationship no. at all yeah yeah i think the only good example of that I can think of is in TV and it's um, Olivia Benson's therapist in Law and Order SVU. Um, I think he's portrayed very, very well and I think, you know, they do a good job of building that rapport and showing her um, progress and being able to talk about things and, you know, he does a very good job with like setting boundaries because she refers some of her cases to him for therapy mm-hmm. and he does a very good job of setting those boundaries and saying yes I can see these people but you know your your place in that process stops with the referral and you know after you make a referral to me that's that's the end of your involvement. Mm-hmm. And I think he does a really good job of setting boundaries. So that's probably the only accurate portrayal I can think of, just off the top of my head. Yeah. The closest I can think of is even a therapist. It's a social worker. It never really, sometimes, always. Which is not really... In the therapy thing, obviously, there's more rapport built, and it's just like yeah. the singular time that they meet. But... I think that's the only, the only true, true one. And even as much as I love Good Will Hunting, like there's, it has its own little things. I and mean, I think even in the script, it says when they're hugging, they're hugging his father and son. So like, that's not a normal therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we need to show that shows, just have social workers show up more and just I was going to say, wait, what are you <laughs> saying social work? Hannah's a social worker. <laughs> I know. Well, but, and you were meant, it, I understand that I misspoke on it. It was much more of. In the movie, the social worker is not her therapist. They don't have mm-hmm. an ongoing relationship. She meet, They meet once mm-hmm. for a singular time, and it's really, really good. You heard um, it here. You heard it here first. Social workers do it better. Oh, okay. I didn't say that. Hey, and that's now. not it. That we, hey, we're, are we out of time? Hey. Listen, before we, before we get into that, we'll do that after we're off the podcast. But. She said in a room full of psychologists. <laughs> I do want to, before we wrap up, 
any sort of final thoughts, last things that we didn't quite touch on that you really just want to talk about or anything like that? Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence were pretty hot in that movie. Yeah, yes. that is true. Yes. That's all. My second thought. That's, that's my final yeah. word. <laughs> there's the... There's the go off. People with um, with mental health issues are hot. That's what we're, that's what we're looking at. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's where my uh, 18 year old brain was. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, I'm excited that a movie that talks so much about mental health got so much attention, got nominated for so many awards, like critical and commercial success. For some reason, we spent the next eight years backpedaling, but maybe we'll catch back up. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it got a lot of attention, especially for back in, like, 2012. Like, mm -hmm. very much like one of those movies that's ahead of its time in terms of breaking those barriers and normalizing mental illness as a whole. So it was definitely exciting to see that play out and definitely very happy to watch it. If you've listened to this whole podcast and haven't watched it, go back and check it out. Uh, definitely an excellent film. Um, I think we'd all agree. <laughs> then go watch Jennifer Lawrence win her Oscar and fall on the stairs in a beautiful dress. That's <laughs> so worth it. But yeah, so thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening in every week. Um, we hope that you check us out on our Facebook or Twitter. Um, if you ever need to contact us, that'd be the best way to do it. Or if you have a topic you'd like to you know, have us do, uh, definitely tell us in the comments. If we got anything wrong or anything like that, or you think we didn't talk about something, join us in the comments. Uh, we can always chat there. Uh, we appreciate you so much for uh, listening. Uh, every like, comment, and share does help us out a lot, so we appreciate it if you uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and just kind of help promote the podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>